0: Lord, we praise you, we worship you, and we turn our attention towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated. Thank you so much for spending your evening here at Christmas with Hope. If I haven't met you, my name is Kelsey Lasher. I'm one of the pastors here. And I am privileged to get to speak to you tonight on our last Sunday of our Advent series. So first of all, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here. This is just my favorite service of the year. Um... We have been doing an Advent series all this month, celebrating the Christmas season. We've talked about joy and peace. And now tonight, we're gonna be talking about hope our namesake, our church's namesake, and we are so excited to talk about the hope of Jesus. Um, For me, it's been a little bit of a scattered week. Um, Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away last weekend, and it was a very sad thing but a peaceful thing because he loved the Lord. He was 90 years old, full of good years and good memories, and so this last week I've been reflecting on all of that and On Friday, we went to the memorial service and uh, were honoring his life. My family was there. We had four generations represented. It was really special. And uh, at one point in the service, we were singing some worship songs. And um, we were singing the song, In Christ Alone. And I just had this moment of um, reflection that was so beautiful. It was so special. There's a line in that song that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it was so special to get to sing that at a funeral in the most uh, saddest of moments that life has to offer, saying goodbye to somebody on this side of heaven and talking, singing about hope, the hope that we have in Jesus despite the circumstances around us. And that's what we're talking about tonight, the hope that we have in Jesus despite our circumstances. Um, if you would like to turn with me in your Bible or you can look, it'll be up on the screen. We're going to be picking up in um, Luke 2. We read a little bit of Luke 2 earlier, and this is going to be what happens after. This is maybe a little lesser-known section of the Christmas story. It's after Mary and Joseph have been in the stable, after the shepherds have come, after the angels have proclaimed glory to God in the highest, and all of that wonderful stuff. This is a little while later, um, and it's just a few verses down. We're going to pick up in Luke 2, 22. It says this. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. A light for the revelation of the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Skip down to verse 36 if you're reading along. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So these are maybe are a few um, characters you might not have encountered in the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph, were familiar with them probably. We also have Simeon and Anna here. And all four of these characters are firmly entrenched in the circumstances of their lives. Simeon is a man who's marked by waiting. His life has been marked by waiting on a promise that God gave him. Sometimes when we're in a circumstance of waiting, that's hard. That's a hopeless situation sometimes. Uh, Anna, her life has been marked by loneliness and loss and longing for comfort from the Lord. Sometimes we have that in our lives, and it feels like a hopeless situation. Mary and Joseph are in the midst of new parenthood and newlyweds, and sometimes that can feel like a challenge, and it's another circumstance that's surrounding them. But here in the midst of these circumstances... We see Jesus enter the scene. This child from heaven, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, enters and hope is born in their circumstances. Hope is born in the world. You see, here from the very beginning of Jesus' life, and even before that, but at the very beginning of Jesus' life, hope is present. In the midst of these trying circumstances, in these, the lives of these everyday people, hope is present. That's the heart of God for us. In the midst of our circumstances, hope is is there always this is how god works he offers us a lifeline in the midst of whatever storm we're going through he ordains it to be present from the very beginning hope is a powerful thing isn't it it's transcendent it transcends our circumstances and is unaffected by them but it doesn't leave us unaffected do you see the difference Hope neither changes our circumstances nor is changed by them. What hope does is change us within our circumstances. And that's what God has dropped into our hearts. Hope that changes us within our circumstances. I want to talk about circumstances for just a minute. They get too much focus sometimes. Sometimes they get all of our focus, actually. And it's kind of funny to me because if I've learned anything in life, it's that our circumstances are like Colorado weather. If you don't like them, they're going to change in just a minute. And you just need to wait, and it's going to turn right away. But we we give it all of our focus, and we we seek our circumstances to give us comfort or hope or joy or whatever it is that we're looking for, and we, we look in the wrong place. But I want to tell you tonight, and Christmas is here to remind you, that your circumstances are not the place to look for hope. Jesus is. Jesus is the place to look for hope. You see, hope is easily found if you look in the right place. It's right there in the heart of God to provide it for you in the midst of whatever you're walking through. Here's another way to look at it. What if we looked at Christmas like this? What if we said, it's too cold, it's too expensive, it's too dark, it's too stressful? Those are kind of the realistic circumstances surrounding this time of year, right? Sometimes we can talk about winter like that. But for this one time of year, we set aside our pessimism, we set aside our view of the r- realistic circumstances, and we seek hope instead of discouragement. We're optimistic instead of pessimistic. You see, we don't say it's winter time right now. We say it's Christmas time. And in that, a lot more is said. It's looking at hope beyond our circumstances. What I'm trying to say here is that Hope helps us see past everything around us into what's next. It tethers us to the unseen reality that the trials of this life are fleeting, but the story and love of God is eternal. It's eternal. And what's more, it's the very heart of God to not let us languish in the despair of our circumstances. He's full of compassion, slow to anger, and abounding in love. That's what the Bible says of God. You see, he's wise enough to let us walk through difficulty, to let us wait to build our patience and endurance, to shape our character through the trials of life, but he does not make us do it without hope. From the very beginning of Jesus' life, the hope of what was coming, the promise of restoration and salvation, the hope of the cross and redemption of all mankind was present, and it's no different for you. In the midst of your circumstances, God seeks to give hope, to drop hope into your waiting heart. You see, at the beginning of Jesus' life, the cross was already foretold. It was already on the horizon. The cross, what Jesus did for us, dying for our sins, raising again to restore mankind to their heavenly Father, that was begun at Christmas time. So the story of the manger is actually the beginning of the story of the cross, which means that it's the beginning of the story of hope for everyone. God gave hope from the very beginning. The Bible says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, Hebrews six nineteen. So what does that look like, hope that's an anchor for our souls? How do we find an anchor for our souls in the hope of Jesus? I think that our characters in our story offer a good example. Simeon and Anna, they had hope as an anchor for their souls with two things. They sought the promises of God and the praises of God. And that's what I want to kind of give you as a takeaway with tonight. For hope to anchor us so that we are unmoved by our circumstances, we have to seek God's promises. You have to seek them. The Bible says seek and you will find. God is a God who can be found. But we need to seek him, each of us individually. We need to seek him. You can find his promises for you in the Bible. Read it for yourself. Read it and see what's in there. See how it speaks to your heart through prayer. Take time, make prayer a practice in your daily life, and you'll those promises, that heart of God will be revealed to you, and you'll be able to catch a hold of that hope. Um, through life in a church, we would love to in, uh, include you as a part of the life of this church, if not here, somewhere else, um, in community with other people. You can find God's promises through serving the underserved. That's how he reveals himself to us in so many ways. Find his promises, seek them, and you will find the hope of God for your life, for you individually. Secondly, hope finds an anchor in a soul that praises the Lord. Simeon and Anna's immediate response to the promises of God, to the hope that they found in Jesus, here at the very beginning, was to praise him to talk about how good God was, to proclaim that they had seen the salvation for all mankind, that God was gracious and good to answer their, their heart's desire, to make good on his promises. They praised God to him and, and what, An- what it says here, that Anna talked of him to everyone she came in contact with. That's praising God. Talking well of God to other people, that's praising him. And, and the thing about praise is it's so amazing because praise is like jet fuel for hope. Praise helps sustain hope beyond the big moments like holidays. It's easy to find hope when the lights are bright and families around, but you need hope after those big moments, and praising God sustains it. The way that you can instill that desire to praise in your life is being aware of God's promises, like we talked about before. Dwell on those promises of God, and your response will be praise, and that hope will be sustained When we fix our eyes on the promises of God, that's what we'll want to do. So that's my prayer for you this year, that you, like Simeon or Anna or Mary and Joseph, would hear the promises of God that are proclaimed in the midst of your circumstances, and you would find hope because of who God is, not because of what's going on around you. I pray that that hope would be embodied in praise in your life, that that praise would sustain the hope that you found this Christmas season beyond the moment that you found it because hoping in God will never disappoint you. It's not seasonal. It's not going to end. His love is everlasting, and it's dependable. It's a hope that can anchor your soul despite what goes on in your daily life. We're going to be transitioning now into one of my favorite parts of the service. It's our candle lighting time, and um, our band is going to be coming up, and we're going to have a few of our pastors come and light your candles. If you, um, when we walked in, you should have received a candle. Kids, you have a glow stick in your bag that you can use at this point in the service. Um, Just crack it, and it'll light up. Um, A few little housekeeping things before I continue. When the light comes down your aisle, if you could take your unlit candle and tilt it towards the flame, That's the best way to go about it so that you don't drip wax as we pass the light, but you're going to light each other's candles as we go. I love this part of the service because slowly but surely our whole room is going to be filled with beautiful candlelight. And this is how hope works. When your heart grabs a hold of the promises of God of who he is for you, that he is dependable despite your circumstances, and then when you praise him to others, it's like hope takes light and the next person and the next and the next until it overtakes our city that's what we want to do overtake our city with the hope of God and as we uh, go about this time I'm going to be reading to you from a verse in the Bible that speaks of the way that God's love is not circumstantial that we can find it despite what's going on and these are the promises of God like we talked about seeking God's promises for you seeking who he is for you and then we're going to move into a time of prayer It's my hope that hearing these words about God's love, despite our circumstances, ignites in you a desire to praise him, and that that hope will take light in your heart tonight. This is from Romans 8. And we know that in all these things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son... Uh, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life